Well, good morning again, and let me begin by saying welcome. Now, not only to those of you who are here in our contemporary service, but welcome also especially right now to those of you who are joining us in our traditional sanctuary and via broadcast. I'm glad that we have this opportunity to all be learning from and responding to God's Word together. And speaking of which, I hope that you'll have the chance to follow along in the Bible with me as we read and learn together. If you have a Bible or phone or tablet with you, now's a good time to get to the right place in Matthew there. Or if you don't have a Bible with you and you'd love to follow along with us, our ushers are going to come up the aisles in both of our worship venues with Bibles. Please feel free to borrow one during this hour and just put it on the shelf in the back of the room again after this worship service. The passage that we heard read in both of our worship venues today is the last words that Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to reflect on those words as we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount and hear as Jesus invites us now to put these things into practice. Today is the end of this series, although we have something special planned for next week as we conclude the couple of months we've spent learning from the Sermon on the Mount together. So be sure not to miss next week. But this week is Jesus' last words in the Sermon on the Mount where he invites us to not just listen to what he says, not just hear it and go, wow, Jesus, those are good ideas, but rather to actually build our life like a house on a foundation of rock that will be a solid house on a solid foundation. I'm reminded of the house that we live in, that Amy, my wife, and I and our kids live in was built about eight and a half years ago. And I remember going over when they were building the house and looking at the foundation being poured. And, and I remember when the house was finished and we walked in for the, for the first time when it was a finished house. We did some work along the way, but when it was a finished house, I remember our builder walked us through the house and he gave us the keys that day. And I remember this one thing that he said. It really stood out to me because it taught me something. He said, you know, your house is going to make some noise now for the next few months. And uh, people are going to tell you that it's settling. Now, I don't know how the rest of you who serve God in building trades will feel about this, but what he said to me is, people are going to tell you it's settling, but it's not settling. There's humidity in the, in the lumber that's built, built the house is going to expand and contract a little bit while it dries out, but your house is not settling. I was here when we poured the foundation, and it's settled. Your house isn't going anywhere, right? I'm grateful for that, and I got even more grateful for that a couple years ago when I helped some parents of a friend of mine move into their new house. It was a great house, and I remember going in and thinking, man, I love this house. I love the layout, all this stuff, and everything looked really good. But about a year later, stuff started to go wrong in their house, and they found out they had foundation issues. Like the walls started to crack and separate, and water started to come in the house, and the the tub started to pull away from the wall. It's a mess. It's an unsolvable mess. The house is just shifting on the ground that it was built on. And that really marked me because I remember moving them into this house and carrying stuff upstairs and downstairs and all around. And I remember thinking, like, I'm kind of jealous. This is a wonderful house. Like, I love the rooms, the gathering spaces, the amenities, the yard, the location. Everything you could see looked just fine. Nobody could see it yet, but there were issues. There was trouble that was coming. And I thought about the foundation I'm glad we have under our house. And I thought about this house that looked so good and the shaky foundation that it was on when I began to read this passage and prepare to share with you about it today. Because it struck me as I thought about that, that that life is like that, right? That that like my life certainly can be like that. Everything will be looking just fine on the outside. Looks just fine to me. Looks just fine to people on the outside. Blue skies and sunshine. And then stuff starts to crack. And stuff starts to break and, and pull apart. And it makes me go, wow, I might have some foundation issues at the bottom. Maybe I've got an attitude that's not right and needs to be fixed. I'm not reacting to people. I'm not building my life on the teaching of Jesus that we've heard in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm building it on some other foundation. I've got some relationship that's gone out of whack. I've got some priority that's out of line. I'm treasuring up treasure on earth instead of treasuring up treasure in heaven. 
I've got some foundation issues and I see cracks that tell me that happens. I bet that's happened to you where things will be going along in life and things seem like they're probably just fine. Blue skies and sunshine. And then stuff starts to crack. Maybe it happens in a relationship of some kind, in a friendship that you had that you thought was closer than it turns out that it was. Somebody that you thought you could trust and you thought they trusted you. And then a storm blew in and stuff started to crack. And you realized, gosh, there were foundation issues there I didn't even know about. If you are married or if you ever were married, you know what I'm talking about. Everything seems good. You thought the house that you had built was solid. Most everybody does. And then a storm blows in. And you realize there were foundation issues. You realize we never worked out the forgiveness for that thing a year ago or more that we thought that we had worked out. Maybe we didn't build that spiritual partnership that we really thought that we had built. Maybe we never did the hard work of developing a a vision for life together, spiritual unity based on the teaching of Jesus that would deliver us life. And had that foundation that we thought we had, a storm blows in, stuff starts to crack, and you realize there were foundation issues. I think it happens to a lot of us in our financial lives. Stuff starts to go wrong, a storm blows in, job market goes down, stock market goes down, economy starts to slow. And I don't even just mean that all of us suffer from that, because some of the damage that we all take on in times like that is just part of the storm. But I mean when that starts to go deep in our lives. And we realize that we've started to look at our stuff and our wealth as part of our identity, as part of who we are. It's part of what brings us joy in life. It's where we find our security, maybe meaning. And that storm blows in and deep stuff starts to crack. And we realize, man, I've got some foundation issues here. I have seen my picture frame of the good life and a lot of treasure on earth treasure is in that picture frame. Instead of building my life on the foundation of Jesus' teaching, stuff starts to crack. We realize we've got foundation issues. Right? This is the kind of image that Jesus was using to talk to his very first disciples and the crowds around him that were learning to become his disciples, to think like him and to live like him, to experience life and to know God in his way. Jesus used this kind of image to talk to them about that. And it's good news because in the way that he talks to them about that, it's good news for us because unlike a, a physical, real, literal house that you can't really just start building on a new foundation in the middle of the project, with a regular house, I mean, you start building on a foundation, that's kind of the foundation you're on. But Jesus would say to us that the foundation you're building your life on, where you are laying the, the, the structure of your house that is your life brick by brick, you can switch foundations. If you realize you have foundation issues, you can pick up and you can start again on a new foundation. I want to show you what Jesus says here. Let, let's look at this together. In Matthew chapter 7, if you have a Bible with you and want to look at this with me, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, and it's also going to be up here on the screens with me. This is just the end of that passage. I want to review it with you. This is what Jesus said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and Jesus has been teaching for like three chapters worth of stuff right now, everyone who hears these things that I've said and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Can we just can we say that part together? Because it had its foundation on the rock. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now I want to share with you a couple things that I think are really important for understanding this passage and helping it really find root in our lives and create a response in our lives. 
And the first one I want to share with you, maybe this is super obvious, maybe this is way too obvious even to mess with, but I want to walk over here to the board here. I'm going to put a couple of key words up here for you. The first thing that I want to share with you is that Jesus actually wants us to do the things that he says in this sermon. Like, he didn't give it to us just so that we would look at it, think it was cool, complicated, amazing. He actually wants us to do the things that he's asked us to do. Now, I know that sounds really obvious, but let me just point something out to you about this passage. In all the images that we saw in, or we heard in this passage, and Jesus started talking about uh, enter by the narrow way, not the wide gate, and he talks about false prophets who are kind of like, uh, like a plant that bears good fruit or bad fruit. And then at the end, he talks about building your house on the foundation of the rock. In those three images, Jesus uses the word do nine times, but it's kind of lost in translation. If you went back to the whole passage, you wouldn't actually find them all. This is one of those things where just we lose a little bit in translation. But Jesus is driving this point home. I actually want you to do the things that I'm telling you about. So, for example, when he talks about the false prophets who are like trees that bear good fruit, he says every good tree does good fruit. I know in English we write bears good fruit, grows good fruit, but the actual passage says every good tree does good fruit and a bad tree does bad fruit, and every tree that does not do good fruit gets cut down. That's what we do with trees. A little bit later, Jesus says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And then at the very end in this passage in this section we're really focusing on, Jesus talks about the wise man who built the house of his life on the rock of Jesus' teaching. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like that wise man. In English, it usually says puts them into practice. But it's the same word every single time. In Jesus' teaching, he's driving this, this, this lesson home. The wise man does these things. The foolish man does not do these things. And so builds his house on the sand. So the first thing I just want to say, just to get real clear, very briefly, is when Jesus teaches us these things, obvious, I know, he actually wants us to do these things, okay? Now, one thing I think that holds us up from doing the things that he talks about, I want to write another word up here in just a second. I think when a lot of us hear that Jesus is asking us to, to obey, to make different choices, to set different priorities, a lot of us think in terms of the word no, we think this is a no vision for life. Like, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I can't do this, I can't do that, thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that. And following Jesus is about all the things that I'm not supposed to do, which I thought were all the fun things in my life, right? But Jesus' vision for life is not a no vision. Jesus' vision for life, can you guess the word here? Jesus' vision for life is a yes vision. Now, this is a little bit tricky because there are some things in all of our lives that Jesus would like to lead us away from. There are things in all of our lives that are stealing life from us, and Jesus would be happy for us to say no to those things. There are also, it's also tricky because every time you say yes to one thing, you know, most of the time you're saying no to something else. So it's not like there's no place for kind of a no side of things. But I think when we get this out of order, we really get the whole spirit of Jesus' teaching wrong. So for example, when Jesus taught earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, about anger and forgiveness and reconciliation in relationships, I think sometimes our minds are just pre-programmed to hear Jesus saying, thou shalt not be angry. Shame, shame, shame on you if you're angry. And so then we try to do the whole thou shalt not be angry thing. But instead, I think what Jesus is saying is yes to reconciled relationships, 
healthy relationships, whole relationships, forgiveness, grace, restoration. And when you say yes to the practice of community, even when it's hard, even when it involves climbing big relational hills, Jesus invites us to say yes to that, and then we will wind up saying no to holding grudges and bitterness and anger because we'll realize it's just small and poisonous compared to what Jesus invites us to say yes to. Same thing when Jesus warns us about lust and adultery in our lives. It's not just thou shalt not, shame, shame, shame on you. Jesus invites us into relationships in marriages with men and women between people that are fully humanized, where we respect and honor and love one another in holy and life-giving ways. We say yes to Jesus' invitation to life. And then the other things that we were using as a substitute for life, the other things we were looking at to bring us joy or happiness or relationship or meaning or identity, we go, wow, that's not doing it anymore. I'm happy to say no to that because I've said yes to life. When Jesus invites us to be generous with our resources, it's not that Jesus is saying no, no, no to all the things you enjoy. Don't ever go shopping again. Don't buy anything. No to beauty. No to pleasure. God is the author of pleasure. God is the author of beauty. It's not a bunch of thou shalt nots, but Jesus is inviting us into a life full of this open-handed generosity where we care about, support, share with one another because there is a higher vision for life and community than just the thou shalt nots. And when we experience that, when we say yes to Jesus' kingdom vision for life, then the stuff that takes life from us, we say no to that because we have said a much larger yes. So the second thing that I want to say, Jesus actually wants us to do these things, but not because it's a bunch of thou shalt don'ts, a bunch of thou shalt nots, but because Jesus is inviting us into a yes vision for kingdom life with him. Now, the third thing that I want to show you, and this one's actually a little bit long, so I had somebody with better handwriting than me write it first, okay? I think that there's a mistake in the way that we read the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we've been doing this for 11 weeks. This is the 11th week of our series called The Good Life. And I hope that throughout this series, maybe you've heard this a little bit already, but I just want to say it as absolutely clearly as I can today. Because I think that there's a mistake in the way that we hear these teachings of Jesus that really holds us back. I think it's really easy for us, and the most common view of the Sermon on the Mount, of Jesus' teaching, is right here, that we see the Sermon on the Mount as high ideals. For those of you on the wings, I apologize, it was hard to see a little earlier, but we got the slide up here right now. We see it as high ideals, like, man, those are amazing ideas. Jesus invites us to incredible purity, morality, forgiveness, grace, peacemaking, nonviolence, prayer, fasting, alms. We go, wow, that's amazing. And so we see this, and we see it as a whole list of commandments. If you would just do these things, then life would go really well. Community would function beautifully. It'd be heaven and earth if you would put these ideals into practice. When we see the Sermon on the Mount as just a bunch of high ideals, I think the way that we will naturally respond to them is we will admire them and we will ignore them in practice in our lives. We will admire them because they're beautiful, amazing, and high. We will ignore them because they feel impossible. We think that's amazing. I would love it if some community somewhere on earth would do that, but I know it's not going to be me. I know I'm not going to be involved. And we just do that sort of subconsciously, and so we ignore it. We don't apply it to our lives. But I think the the way to solve this is not to come at the ignore and just work harder, say, I'm really going to do it, and then fail at it again. I think the root problem is the way that we understand the Sermon on the Mount at the very beginning. If we switch from seeing it as high ideals and instead see the Sermon on the Mount as a kingdom invitation, 
It's an announcement that Jesus is making to say God is bringing his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven on earth. It's coming. It's an announcement. And I invite you in. Then when we understand the Sermon on the Mount that way, it changes the way that we'll respond to it. The usual view and the usual response are up here. A better view is to see it as a kingdom invitation. We will be able to offer a better response, which is to receive it and participate in it. Let me try to make this concrete. When Jesus invites us to do these things, the first thing he's talking about is what God has done. And what he's announcing is that the kingdom of heaven has come near. And this is like the first thing Jesus says when he begins his public ministry. He tells people the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven has come near. I'm doing it. God is doing a new thing in Jesus. And so you can repent. You can turn around and believe this. You can be welcomed in and join and participate in the ways of the kingdom. God is doing a new thing. So, for example, all throughout the Sermon on the Mount and throughout the teachings of Jesus, Jesus is announcing that God is bringing grace to the world instead of our guilt and he's inviting us in to experience it. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you're invited in. You get to be a child of God as a brother and sister of Jesus. You're invited into the family of God. It's grace in place of our guilt. Jesus announces that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and so God is bringing in freedom from our shame and our bondage, from all the things that bind up our lives and bind up our hearts, Jesus brings freedom instead. Jesus brings healing for all that is broken in us, in body, mind, soul, and community. God is bringing, free, God is bringing healing in place of sickness and brokenness. And you're invited in. God is bringing justice to this world in place of all the brokenness and the injustice and inequality and wrongness that's happening in our world and invites us to participate in his justice. You're invited in to what God is already doing. God is bringing generosity in place of our greed, in place of us saying, what's in it for me? God is bringing a community, a world, the presence of his spirit. We say, what's in it for you? How can I be there for you? He's bringing generosity in place of our greed, and you're invited in. He's bringing reconciliation in place of broken relationships, fear in place of love, life in place of death, and eternal life in place of eternal death in Jesus Christ. And you're invited in. You get to be welcomed. You get to receive that and participate in the ways of God here on earth. And this is what Jesus is inviting us to say yes to. And when you build your life on this rock, and when you build your life on this foundation, it's no wonder that it won't shake because God put it there. Not because you put it there. Not because you're such a great builder. But because God has brought the kingdom of heaven near in the person and the life, the grace, the hope, and the work of Jesus Christ. And the kingdom of heaven is not going to shake, though the rains may fall, though the streams may rise, though the winds may blow and beat against that house, and they will. Yet that rock will stand solid. If I were to ask you which of these two ways of seeing and responding to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is more like the way that you respond, what would you have to say? Because me, I'm up here way more often than I'm down at the bottom. I mean, I totally admire the Sermon on the Mount. I'm inspired by it. I love it, and yet I'm ignoring way too much of it in my life. And yet God has been working through this series that we've been sharing in for the past two, three months and speaking to me. And I'm, I'm hearing Jesus' promise. I'm hearing this announcement and this promise that the kingdom of heaven is just way better than my piddly little dreams of life, my little dreams of what the good life looks like. 
And God is speaking this promise to me and beginning to lead me forward in the kingdom of heaven. Maybe the same thing is true for you. And here's the thing. If you, like me, recognize that you're building way too much house on a different foundation, on a foundation of sand, and today Jesus invites you, promises you that a better foundation is possible and that he has laid it and invited you in, then you don't have to try to build the whole house at once, right? Nobody can build a whole house in a day. Here's what each of us can do. Here's how we can respond to this invitation. Lay your one next brick. You can take the one next step in your life and take it and put it on this foundation. Maybe for you, the one next brick in your life is simply to understand what Jesus has said about who you are in God's eyes for his sake. That the kingdom of heaven really is a kingdom of grace and that your identity for Jesus' sake really is child of God. And that you don't have to go looking anywhere else for meaning and security and identity and love and fullness and life, but that it's here and it always will be and that it cannot be taken away from you. Maybe for you today, that's the cornerstone of all the rest of the bricks that you would ever lay is to say, yes, I received that invitation. And maybe for you, there's some more bricks to lay on top of that cornerstone. Maybe it's a relationship in your life that, that is broken and needs forgiveness. Maybe it's one where you need to offer forgiveness as it's sought from you. Maybe it's one where you need to seek forgiveness. Way back at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus used this as one of his first practical points. And he uses illustrations that said it'd be worth it to walk for a week on foot to go and make right with somebody that you're wrong with, even if it meant leaving your gift in the temple of God and then come back and do it. Maybe that's your one next brick. Maybe the next brick for you is learning from the character of God to repay evil with good, to turn away from the violence that's so rampant in our society, and to be a peacemaker. Maybe that's what the Spirit of Jesus is saying to you today, lay this brick. Maybe your one next brick has to do with your life of prayer. Maybe life moves so fast and you're so self-sufficient that there's just not a lot of praying in your life. And Jesus wants us to teach us and teach us to enjoy a spiritual dependence on God. And in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he even teaches us something that we call the Lord's Prayer, where he taught us to pray for God's work and God's kingdom to happen in our lives, to pray for our daily bread, for daily needs for ourselves and for others, for forgiveness received and offered, for spiritual victory from deliverance from the powers of evil. Maybe the next brick that God wants to lay in your life is to cultivate a life of prayer for you. Maybe the next brick for you is a, has to do with generosity. Maybe you, like me, like lots of people, really do treasure up treasure on earth. And Jesus says, I don't want that to happen for you because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And if you treasure that up, the storms are going to blow in and they're going to blow the whole thing down. Treasure up treasure in heaven. Maybe the next brick is that there's some generosity to do, to do in your life. Or maybe it's something entirely different from all those things. But I genuinely believe that the Spirit of Jesus wants to speak to every heart in this community and to the collected heart of this community and encourage us to lay our one next brick and then the next one and then the next one on the solid foundation of the kingdom of heaven that God has brought near to us in Jesus Christ. Now I want to finish just by recognizing something with you. Just got to be honest with you. If you do this, not only will you probably encounter opposition because I imagine that you will. Not only that, but you will also be in the minority. There are a lot of people who are not going to do this. There are a lot of people in the world who are not going to lay their next brick on the foundation of Jesus' teaching. There are a lot of people who are going to build their houses on some other location. To be honest, if you're going to build a house on sand, doesn't building a house on the beach sound really attractive in the short run? In the long run, not so much. 
But Jesus said this would be true. This doesn't need to surprise us. He said the road is wide that leads to destruction and many people enter through it. But strive to enter by the narrow gate. Strive, look for that foundation of rock to build on. A lot of people aren't going to do this. But some have and some will. And some of them are famous and their stories inspire me. I'm inspired by the story of Martin Luther King Jr. who was inspired by Jesus' vision for a beloved community, much of which he drew from the Sermon on the Mount. And through his faithfulness to these teachings, because he saw it as a kingdom invitation to something that God was doing in the world and wanted to get on board with that, through him, God moved the needle of racial inequality in the most powerful nation on earth. I'm inspired by the example of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, whom Pastor Al mentioned in his sermon last week, who was likewise inspired by the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, who saw it as a kingdom invitation that he would receive and participate with and his light shined brightly against the Nazi darkness in his country in the last century. Some people who do this make such an impact on the world that they're famous and we know their names. But most people who do this will not be famous. They will simply lay one brick at a time. They will simply lay the bricks of their life that they are building on the foundation of Jesus' teaching one at a time, quietly. The foundation of their family life, of their marriage, of their friendships, their financial life, their prayer life one brick at a time, and the house will build up. And then the storms will blow in, and they will blow in, they always do. And the rains will fall, and the streams will rise, and the winds will blow and beat against that house, and they will weather that storm, and they will stand on the rock, and they will not be shaken, because the kingdom of heaven will not be shaken. And then they will hear Jesus say, blessed are you, blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Let's turn our hearts to God and respond in a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, we love you. And we thank you for the good news of your kingdom. And God, I pray that by your spirit, you would indeed speak into our hearts. God, reassure us of your grace. Call us into you. We say yes to you today on this day. We say yes to your invitation. Yes to your good news. Yes to your good work. And God, I pray that you would give us your vision, your imagination, and your courage to just lay the next brick, the next block, whatever it is you put on our hearts. We love you. We live and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.